Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. <laughs> Thumbs I up. Have, Thumbs I had nothing, nothing to add there. I was just going to ruin that, so I'm glad I just... <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave that in. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to www.worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. All right. Well, joining me after this festive period, this Christmas break that we have had, Dan and Nick. Dan, you're back. Thankfully, glad to get you back on the pod. You know, you take a little time off before all the the rush of games around Boxing Day. Well, I have to serve, you know, my uh, my suspension for yellow card accumulation. You know, we keep track of who curses the most in the podcast. Hit my limit of five. Got to keep that uh, that clean rating for iTunes. Uh, and then I came back, so it's all good. And uh, and Nick's here too, which is always a pleasant thing to have around during the holidays. A Nick, I I should have been suspended multiple times. Then. <laughs> there, I should have. There's probably been a straight red. On me, huh, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have had to throw the explicit E on a couple tracks, but to no fault 
of your own, guys. Don't even worry about it. It's the passion, oh, the love of the game that goes on to this. But Chelsea fans, as you've come to expect, we are back uh, with another match review going on this week. Uh, Boxing Day. We have a Boxing Day special. Uh, last year, for those of you that were around, we just kind of did a summation podcast after about three, four matches because so many games happen. But you know what? We're in better shape this season. We did a little Conte preseason, guys, and we can keep up with the match fixture list. Or sorry, I got to turn off my Bob Bradley. The fixture list, no matches, no games. Uh, RIP, Bob. RIP. Yeah, oh, man. RIP. Well, well, we'll touch on that later. But guys, AFC Bournemouth. Premier League match, Stanford Bridge, hosting it back at Stanford uh, this past Monday, like we said on Boxing Day. In case you missed it, Blues 3, Cherries 0. Another shutout on the books. And uh, while we haven't really been public with our predictions, Dan, um, one Chelsea legend has. Yeah, Michael Ballack, legend. Predicted a three-nil victory, and sure enough, came true. Uh, it took to the uh, almost the very, very end of the match for that to happen. But then also uh, Jay Heal in our Facebook group also predicted a little three-nil as well. So him and Balak maybe need to go head to head for the remainder of the season. See who comes out on top. That would be fun. Obviously, Jay does an awesome job at you know encouraging people to post predictions. Um, before each match in our Facebook group. So head on over there, facebook.com forward slash London Blue Pod. But, you know, Dan, getting you back in. I had to do this last week, the lineup, you know, after all those controversies <laughs> a lot of work. and lineups. But I'm passing it back to you. You know, this was a big match for the lineup because we knew going into it, Conte and Diego Costa were going to be suspended. Uh, a lot of assumptions, a lot of general, you know, misconceptions for, for a lot of us. Yeah, I think a lot of people expected Fabregas to play in the midfield, and they were right. You know, we had Alonzo, Matic, Fabregas, and Moses in that, you know, that four in the middle. Had the Cahill, Louise, Aspilicueta combination, you know, heading right in front of Courtois. And then we saw William, Pedro, and Hazard playing as the, the striker role. If you look at, you know, the maps that we've seen this season for his positioning, you know, he's been very close to or if not ahead of you know, Costa for a lot of the matches made a lot of sense, but poor uh, Michi Batshuayi, no minutes until the uh, the very very end as a late substitution. So uh, that was the question, and it was answered by Conte. Hazard is who he's going to look to as that striker replacement in absence of Diego Costa right now. Yeah, that is uh, that's pretty interesting, and uh, yeah, we'll get to the Michi part in a little bit, but. Uh, I think the main thing, Brandon, that you looked for from those top three was just the interchange and how they kind of move together as a unit because Diego is very central and he really takes the brunt of that role and, you know, kind of mixes in with the center backs. These guys are, are you know, speed and technical ability and uh, how they kind of danced around defenders was, was what we were watching for uh, during this match. It was interesting. Uh, Bournemouth wound up in a three-five-one-one as well to kind of counteract what Chelsea was doing, without kind of knowing what our striker situation is going to be. But uh, eventually, in the match, uh, they switched to a four-back set uh, to try to help because I feel like, you know, this is interesting. But uh, Bournemouth had a Smith on each side of their wing-back formation. Um, they just weren't able to cover the center backs enough because those attacking three really were able 
to pull those guys out of position. Um, yeah, it should have been more of a uh, Smith and Weston instead of a Smith and Smith. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, all right. Um, no, no, I mean, that's true. It, and it's fine. Like I said, you know, playing off Dan right there, it, it wasn't a good defense. It wasn't rock solid. It, it, it had some holes and some gaps in it. And speaking of holes and gaps, we did have goals. We had three of them. As a matter of fact, uh, 24th minute, Pedro was able to turn and chip it to the back post from essentially a standstill. Uh, go ahead and stand there and take a bow, Pedro son. It was a beaut. I mean, Nick, Pedro deserved a bow, didn't he? Maybe a standing O from from the audience, the fans. It, no, it was great. I mean, at, up until that point, you kind of saw the front three struggle a little bit, and then you know he kind of opened it up, and it was it was a nice move overall. There was a ton of great passes that were kind of bobbing in and out, and it, it's like the goal kind of reminded me of FIFA when you know you're playing someone in FIFA and they string like four or five passes together. You're like, God damn it, this is going to be a goal, isn't it? And it absolutely was. It was, Dan, a weird kind of flight trajectory, though, I would say. It was a little little fluttery. Yeah, you know, so when I saw that, it kind of reminded me to, you know, might might be a sore subject for Nick, of Peyton mm. Manning's late-season career, you know, throwing the ball in cold weather, had, had a, a floatiness to it, like, mm. uh, you know, just flopping throughout the air. You don't know exactly <laughs> where it's going to go. Uh, but, but hey, it made it in the net, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. And just like that, Peyton Manning did win a Super Bowl last year. So I will, um, I will take that. I will not take the current bullshit that the Broncos currently have on <laughs> offense. But I will save that for our next podcast on a different day. Uh, where's I mean, Jonathan Moss with his yellow card? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we want to uh, compare Pedro in fine form to a late career Peyton Manning, but you know. The next goal up on the list, Hazard, 49th minute, using his fancy footwork to literally tangle up Mr. Simon Francis. Uh, he took this pen, or again, as recently unemployed Bob Bradley, we're American, sorry, got to come back to it, would say PK. Like this was the 2014-2015 Hazard, just waits for the goalkeeper to move and slots it just calmly right to the bottom corner, Dan. I mean, it was just the confidence was beaming from him on this, on this one. Yeah. Low right-hand corner slotting it through and none of the, uh, the no look garbage that he used to do back in 2014, 2015, uh, you know, definitely ha- fired it away with intention, which was nice to see. And he definitely, definitely earned that penalty really, really well. Made made sure to put himself in the right position because he was just shredding through their defense. And th- there was going to be a goal from him at some point. Yeah, but he he worked to make that penalty come to life. Oh, yeah. And I know the next time he came down the field, uh, the Bournemouth defenders were a good at least three yards off him, giving him way too much space in the box. But the other thing, Nick, is I guess this means Cesar's our new number one penalty taker. Oscar obviously was it for a while. We've seen Fabregas and some other people, you know, William on the field. But it was Eden stepped up, and I guess he's our new number one. It. Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably should have never left him. Um, the only person I would trust more uh, doing, you know, any sort of penalty taking would be Frank Lampard. <clears throat> should he come back? But um, <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say it was a good, a good penalty. Uh, you know, RIP to Simon Francis in this game. Uh, he just got 
destroyed over and over and over. I give him a lot of credit for always coming back with a challenge, but the fact that he wasn't sent off was just kind of a mystery to me. You committed about seven fouls, and, and one of them was a penalty. So, uh, RIP, my man. Not even yeah, cautioned. He was cautioned on the penalty, but um, but hmm. yeah, he had four other opportunities. Um, yeah, so, uh, 2016 claimed another victim in Simon Francis. <laughs> yeah. This well, year. hopefully Hazard can continue to add to that tally. Uh, but we go ahead and round off the goals with uh, Cook, a 92nd, 92nd minute own goal off another Pedro curler huge deflection nick but sometimes you get these bounces when you're in a hot streak you know things just are kind of going for you yeah i mean uh, we would have loved to have a bounce like this last year right so we'll take them anytime <laughs> we can get them uh and you know i think pedro deserved it he had a great game uh i think he uh, was direct he didn't you know he didn't do too much horizontal movement he was bouncing up and down and you could see him you know even when he tracked back he was always kind of you know, one foot ready to, to take off on the counterattack. Um, you know, for a guy who uh, just picked up his fifth yellow card, like that's, you know, a little bit strange, Dan, that a, a guy like Pedro has five yellow cards now, but uh, he's he's putting in a shift and we can uh, all applaud him for that. Yeah, it, it feisty in, in the way that he's going at attackers, but also yeah, willing to cross the entire length of the field to pick up a ball. And he, he's uh, very emblematic, I think, of the style of play that Conte has built into the team. And I, I think he has adapted to it extremely well. And I, I think you haven't seen a Pedro like this since, you know, when he played at Barcelona. That is true. Uh, obviously a rough start to his Chelsea career last season, but... You know, he wasn't the only one. So question one, guys. Uh, well, here it is. 12 wins in a row and another clean sheet. This one was interesting, though, because as we talked about quite a bit, we didn't have Costa or Conte. So uh, Conte decided to go with a false nine up front with Hazard leading the line. Uh, Dan, what did you think when you saw this? Because, you know, as we kind of touched on earlier, pretty much everybody just assumed Mishi would start. Even Nisar Kinsella, who writes for Goal, um, friend of the pod and guest, I mean, he wrote an article kind of outlining about Mishi playing. Yeah, you know, I think during the holiday period, you uh, expect charity, you expect goodwill, <laughs> uh, giving to those who are maybe less fortunate, and uh, hashtag minutes for Mishi. Uh, did not see the type of donation from Antonio Conte that maybe it was hoping for this season in uh, in five or even 10, 15-minute uh, denominations. Uh, all of those would have been accepted. Uh, but at this point in time, uh, there was no Michi to be seen uh, until the very last minute getting the uh, Poppy Di Laboji treatment uh, uh. To, to, to the utter dismay of many and uh, i think it was a little shocking but i think if you read through the tea leaves or the comments uh, conte did not speak to michi having adapted and i think clearly prefers what uh, eden is able to do and looking back at those 90 minutes i don't think anyone could be disappointed well looking at this so far nick i'm going to bring it right to you you know let's compare chances created with costa versus without him tonight you know seeing how did the teams do? And we're averaging, I know this is a huge range, between 10 and 20 chances per match. If you tighten that down, I'd say probably 
12, you know, 10 to 15 or so. And then today without him leading line, we still created 10 opportunities. So a little on the low end, but not out of the ordinary by any means. Yeah. I mean, the team played well. I, I don't think we can you know, state this enough that it was Bournemouth, you know, a, a defense that has, has really struggled and without Nathan Ake, who's, who's kind of been a, a you know, really solid player for them. You know, if if we do this against, you know, if we dominate like this against United, then you know, I think we have something you know big to talk about. But um, you know, it is Bournemouth. I don't think we can get too carried away. I'm not sure this false nine uh, would work, you know, against a Liverpool or a City or another title contender. But it played well today, and mm-hmm. you know, it seemed to me ten almost seems low. If, if you know, I'm trying to jog my memory back now, it seems like we had a lot of the ball and a lot of offensive moves, but. Maybe those all didn't, you know, uh, work into, you know, concrete chances, I guess. I mean, there was the Hazard uh, almost Rabonia goal. There was the Victor Moses near goal. You know, Pedro had one or two other chances. I mean, there, there were definitely were opportunities off counterattack, even having uh, less than half of the possession for Chelsea in this game. And I don't know. I don't think you can complain. I think it was a, a it made significant number of chances. I think there was good forward movement on the ball, and there was quick counterattacking. And I think Hazard himself rose to the occasion of no cost. Was like, shit, son. I'm going to put on a show, and you're all going to be dazzled like Christmas lights because this is the biggest tree in the world. I'm going to show you that I can shine brighter than anyone else. And he did absolutely 100. percent he he, hundred percent did. Like I, I don't, you know, he played phenomenal. I, you know, there is no taking anything away from him. Even though it was Bournemouth, he, you know, the take ons were crazy, and you know, just the outright filthiness on the ball. I mean, it was, it was like watching, you know, Ronaldo type of, of performance, a Messi type of performance. And now, you know, what I think all Chelsea fans Dan want to to think about here is they. You know, the Ronaldo's and Messi of the world do that every single match. So can we get him to raise up even more and have that type of match, you know, kind of throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, I I would hope because if he can keep on doing that, there's no reason why players wouldn't want to sign to be a part of, you know, Conte's project with Chelsea in January and the summer transfer window. There should be no reason why we shouldn't be completing you know, a Premier League, uh, you know, ransack, as it were, of this title. And we shouldn't be staged for, you know, multiple uh, domestic and, and, you know, international glory next season. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you that the spin moves that he does, the the Rabonias, all of that, I think just, you know, speaks to the reason why I think long-term contracts for Costa, Hazard, and Courtois right now are probably the best business that we can do in January with the Oscar money not necessarily adding two to three new players. Interesting take. Well, you know, uh, Squawka, I tweeted this out, um, gave Hazard a 110 performance score out of 120. Pedro with an 82. William only with a 38. But, you know, at the end of the day, three goals is a good result. And we don't always get three, obviously coming off, what, three 1-0 wins in the last week and a half. So uh, definitely is a good a good day out for the boys. Uh, question two, um, lots of news in quotes being published around why Mishi didn't play, but I think Conte was pretty open about it post-match, Nick. Uh, what did the gaffer have to say? 
So essentially, um, you know, I think it's just his lack of ability to adapt. So this is the first time we played without a real forward. We tried this in training, and I think at I think for us at the moment, this situation is the best. But I don't forget Mishi because he's a young player with great talent. Um, he's adapting to this league and it's football, and in the future, I trust in him. So uh, I think you're seeing Brandon the ultimate slow play. Um, you know, whereas maybe a, a Ruben or you know a Nathan Ake during Rafa Benitez time was thrust into the spotlight maybe a bit too soon. Um, this is clearly you know I think he was bought in anticipation that it would take a while that it would be you know some a, a longer term project now i think unfortunately for him the worst thing that happened is that he scored that goal against watford in the second match of the year and everyone's expectations went through the roof like wow this guy's great he just needs to play up front with another striker and all as well but that's not how the system is so you know i'm, I'm just i'm struggling because i really want this for him he's a likable guy but if he doesn't fit the system right now then you have to trust that his art is going to do a better job. Yeah. I mean, from a system standpoint, Mishi probably does benefit off having someone else. Um, physically, he fits the mold as being, you know, our, uh, our number nine, our number 10, you know, our number nine up there being able to hold up the ball and everything. You know, I know he's come from league uh, with Marseille, but you know, last season he did have 17 goals, nine assists, uh, and his 36 appearances. Um, he definitely just got better as the season progressed. And I think it's kind of refreshing possibly to hear a manager say, he's not going out on loan. He's in our plans. We just want to develop him at the pace we want. Because like you mentioned, Nick, a lot of, not a lot, but some other times young players have been thrown in. McEachern, um comes to my mind as well. And he just didn't quite have it already. And it just kind of like, made his career take a turn for the worse. And so maybe this way they're just saying and admitting to themselves he's not ready, but that's okay. We're going to have our hands on him, not send him out on loan, and we're going to mold him the way we want in this system. Um, so I think that's kind of refreshing, Dan, a little difference in approach, and uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a lot of thought to around this idea of, you know, was you know Mishi someone purchased by the board versus – you know, target that Antonio Conte handpicked or selected. And I think that's a question that we will probably never know 100% the true answer to. Uh, maybe even Jay Cohen doesn't know, uh, though I think that his <laughs> his dark arts are pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, so is Joe Tweeds. But I, I think ultimately the care of him as a player and as a footballer that Nick spoke to is the nice thing to see. You know, he came from a Marseille team that was – ranked 13th, you know, only scored over about 40 goals. So, you know, he was responsible for, you know, about a third of the you know, offensive production of that team, you know, but it was in two striker sets where he was most productive. And I think that that's where, you know, maybe it's more midfield players that we need. Maybe it's about other personnel with Mishi being deployed appropriately to get the most out of him. And, and look, we're going to have a match against uh, Petersburg coming up that might be a fantastic opportunity for Mishi to get some minutes. Like the, the opportunity is going to come there. It's unfortunate. We just, you know, we, we missed on the, you know, EFL cup because that would have been an opportunity for him to get some of those minutes. Yeah. The one time he did play against Watford, Nick, like you said, uh, he wasn't in three, five, two, I believe. And he's also had an assist 
uh, where he brought it down off his chest to Costa. Um, so you're right. There's some bright moments, but it wasn't a two-striker system. And Conte definitely does not seem interested in doing that at this point in time. So question three, uh, Hazard's 50th Premier League goal finally, finally? came um but it was a penalty so dan does this water it down for you <laughs> oh boy uh, oh, you no. know I, i'm not i'm not a fan of penalties um you know i, I think if it's a, a total goal thing i think we could celebrate it but uh, i will be more excited when he has uh has scored 50 goals that are not not included penalty number personally all right, Nick. Well, this is going to be your and my party then to celebrate. Yep. Um, Hazard <laughs> became the sixth player in Chelsea's history to score 50 goals in the Premier League. Following on that list, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Gianfranco Zola, and Iger Gudjonsson. Not only that, Nick, Hazard was the fastest one to do it. At Chelsea Chatter, if you don't follow him, fantastic uh, resource for stats and information on Twitter. Um, he did it in 155 matches quicker than Lamps at 184 and Zola at 197. That is pretty impressive. I, I will say uh, kudos to Dan for being consistent on his penalty uh, take. Um, <laughs> I know that was hard. You know, it's easy to, to slight Cuneguero when he takes a penalty. It's not so easy to slight your own dude. But, um, I mean, to reach it th almost 30 games quicker than Lampard is crazy to me. Um we always look at Lampard as kind of this goal machine, you know, always in the right place at the right time. Lampard took penalties too. You know, there's you know a certain amount of overlap between these two players and their style, but uh, lots lots to be happy about. I mean, if this is the guy, if he is this guy, and he keeps playing like this, I mean, what other records is he going to break? You know, the, the whole thing with him has always been consistency and kind of the want to. There's a lot of opportunity for him, of course. Uh, you know, we even talked about Diego Costa's numbers, and they essentially didn't have a season last year to play in. Um, so I think that that plays into it as well. Uh, you know, Hazard has came out, you know, he he talked about how he had injuries last season that, that affected it, but um, dude is on top of his game so far this season. Uh, no doubts about it. You know, 50 goals uh, for an attacking player uh, in, in 150 games, you know, essentially a goal every three matches. And again, this is only Premier League. I think that it's fantastic. It's uh, quite impressive. Uh, and just to kind of be on the list of those six, let alone the fact that he is um, the quickest, uh, I think that that shows a lot of promise for him. So hopefully we can lock him down, as Dan mentioned, keep him on the team and let him just grow into – uh, our dream of him becoming a Chelsea legend. Not going to Spain. All right. True or false? This statement is relevant to this season. The Blues have been top of the table on four occasions in the Premier League era. And those four times they went on to win the title in each of those seasons. 04, 05, 05, 06, 2009, and 10, 2014, 15. True or false? Is this statement relevant this season? Nick. Oh man, I think about <laughs> think about back to September when we were down in the dumps. Three and three. It was this was like the least relevant question to anything that we were doing at the time. I, to to have this question and to have it matter, and I mean, you'd have to say it's relevant. 
I, I mean, the way the team is playing and the you know resilience they've shown from a mentality standpoint this year alone is it makes it relevant to me. I mean, I think you know there's still a lot of season to play. This is not your typical Premier League. There's so much competition at the top, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's relevant. Dan. Um, keep on wanting to say like, it's only December, it's only December, but there's, there's so few days left in December. It's getting hard to say that. And that's going to be, it's only January. It's only January. Um, <laughs> it's only May. It's only May. <laughs> it's only May. <laughs> God, there's three games left. There's three <laughs> games left. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to say, I, I look at it this way. If we had lost to Man City and that just, that was the only change of result. Um, we would only have a one point gap at the top of the table. We'd be ahead at 43 points. Man City would be right behind us at 42. There'd be a one point separation. Uh, I'm going to say false to this question because I think it, it's so ridiculously tight that I, I, I would rather just continue focusing on the next game and winning the next game. Like, and I think that's Conte's mentality and it's the approach that he's taking with the team. It's fantastic. I, I just I can't get carried away. Like I, I I can't allow that emotion to happen. I'm still too raw from last season. <laughs> I can't be hurt again. <laughs> I think it's true, just because all the players say winning is a mentality, and that we have 12 matches won in a row, only conceded two goals in these 12 matches, which is. A feat in itself. That's crazy. I mean, it's just that stat alone is crazy. Yeah, we have two, two goals with uh, Cesar Aspliqueta, David Louise, Gary Cahill. Gary own goal Cahill. <laughs> yeah, Cahill has one of those two. Calamity Cahill. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just it was the way we started the season, and the fact that we have turned it around and done it so like emphatically to the rest of the table people have noticed ever all the pundits have said this is it it's us it's ours to lose because the amount of momentum we have and the fact that we're not doing it the liverpool way we're up and down we just have to outscore opponents um to me i think that you know like i said barring some crazy crazy injury injury crisis uh chelsea are on the path to to close this out um Plus, all you have to do is just look at what Conte's history has been in previous jobs. He is the kind of guy, Brandon, that when he has his hands on something in a kind of uh, forward-looking sense or he knows that he can go and grab it, he grabs it. And all you have to do is read Pirlo and his accounts of him as a manager. He is hardest on players, not when they're down. But when they're about to get something, he's not one to just let it go. That's right. The story is when their Buffon brought it up in uh, the locker room about getting their their bonuses, and Conte just you know kicked the trash can and, and lined them up. Said season's not over. You're not getting jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's one um, yellow card for you, Brandon. We're just going to keep track. It's a loose but... translation. Loose translation. <laughs> Um, all right, let's go ahead and uh, shift it back to a little lighter moment. Which Sesk moment was funnier today? Uh, his terrible slide tackle uh, or when Hazard hopped over him? Dan, I, I think, would you like I think, to go? I think Nick running the Twitter account and mentioning that the slide tackle <laughs> happened in one minute 
and was completed in another minute. <laughs> it was probably the best analysis uh, I saw. Like, really, you know, Sky, uh, BT, all those guys missed out this on some did. really high-level analysis. The I'm hazard, hire, you know, I'm for the hire. hazard hop and dribble over assess though was that was pretty comical. Like, I, I'm not gonna let my own down player get in the way. I'm just gonna use him as a part of the field and continue playing this ball forward. My favorite part of that, though, is that the referee had no idea what to do with that situation at all and blew it dead. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah. well, Sess got pushed over, but then you know you have this incredible kind of Tekkers moment with Hazard dribbling over him. And Hazard was pissed. Did you see that? Like, yeah, when they blew he, he wanted dead. to keep on going. <laughs> he was so mad. He's like, what are you doing? Like, I just, I got this. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I do think the terrible slide tackle, which he executed, by the way, I must give him credit. He actually got the ball. <laughs> I have right. no idea how. It was like it was like you know, kind of in baseball where someone's throwing a, a pitch really fast and you have to swing way early to hit it. That was pretty much what what Seth decided. He was like, "All right, well, I'm not getting Wilshire here, so I'm gonna just sl- slide all the way over." It was like Tech Mobile almost. Um, the, the, the sloth and Zootopia. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, there's so many just analogies of like crazy slow things that you can compare uh, to that tackle. Uh, and oh, they man. all took longer, uh, or took less time than that tackle. Yep. So it started in the ninth minute and was completed in the tenth, which was great, Brandon. What is your take on this? No, uh, I, very I, scientific poll. I enjoyed this slide tackle as well. I mean, he's out there trying to put in a shift. He's working hard, but <laughs> it it just looked like he didn't know what he was doing. It's like my mind's thinking one thing, my body's doing something else. How do I connect these two things together? So. Uh, not a natural motion uh, for Sesk. Um, any other thoughts, guys, about this match? What did we miss that you guys wanted to touch on or uh, continue to make fun of people on? I would just <laughs> like to bring up our, our man of the match poll. Uh, yeah. As we did not talk about it during the Hazard uh, section, but uh, with you know zero surprise here, 200 votes. Uh, Hazard, oh, 59. Oh. Wait, wait. No, I, I thought it was going to be Jack Wilshire. For playing over 80 minutes without getting injured. That's right. Okay, we should. Do, I should have put him in the poll. I got a lot of flack for not putting Wilshire in the poll. What the fuck was that, by the way? Are you kidding me with this analysis of Wilshire? Like, people want him to succeed so badly. It just drives me nuts. I can't even deal with that, Dan. Best best performance he's had uh, ever, I think. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. Um, 59% for Hazard, um, 196% for Wilshire, uh, 38% for Pedro, <laughs> 2% for Dave, 1% for Cesar, or for, uh, sorry, for, for Sesk. So uh, I voted for Sesk just for his slide tackle. <laughs> so that was great. But uh, Hazard easily runs away with it, Brandon, uh, now that that's uh, graciously over. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone, you know, Everyone is just gushing over Hazard, and, and rightfully so. Um, I think Pedro maybe would have gotten a little more love if the second goal would have been his and not an own goal. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's just the way the pieces uh, fall sometimes, and uh, I'm sure he will be just fine uh, without it. So, um, Dan, any anything else that we missed? Uh, it's, a, it's good to know that uh, some referees don't even know how the advantage rule works. So when you're trying to explain it, <laughs> To, uh, to friends, families, and loved ones that you're ingraining into the sport of football. Um, you, you can't allow a shot to occur 
and say that that shot wasn't good enough because it went into the stands and then call it back (laughs) and let them have the free kick opportunity. Uh, That was a little wonky moment, but it's, it's good to see that the refereeing standards continue to rise uh, like a a tiny little tiny tower. Just yeah. Yeah. So as it stands, Chelsea are still in first place on 46 points, trailed by Liverpool on 40, City on 39, Arsenal on 37. Tottenham have yet to play, but even if they win, they can't crack the top four. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take our first break. Nice, short, and sweet from World Soccer Shop, and we'll come back with your social media questions. Here we go. Hey, Nick, did you, uh, did you get any cash this holiday for Christmas? You know, I sure did. Um, and boy, I'm just trying to rack my brain on what I'd spend it on, Dan. Well, now that you're uh, you're flush, um, like many of our listeners might be, with uh, some Christmas or Hanukkah cash, uh, World Soccer Shop does have some sweet Chelsea gear, and we have some $10 coupon codes that we can hand out. Yeah, that's right. All you have to do, tweet at us with the thing that you would like to buy, or things, plural, that you would like to buy from World Soccer Shop, uh, and we might send you a DM with a $10 holiday assistant. It's uh, you know the way to do it. Just rack them up like uh, Seth Fabregas. All right, Chelsea fans, more assists coming from the London Blue Pod team. But you know we got to get on to your guys' questions from social media at J underscore Garbs. I saw this earlier. I'm sorry we didn't talk about it, but he tweeted asking, "Is it time to start worrying?" And he linked an article in The Guardian, which I actually missed when it came out. It was a one-on-one exclusive with Eden Hazard. And essentially the, the main quote out of it says, if I ever leave Chelsea, it will be after winning the league. In the article, he talked about how there's no way he was going to leave after last season because that's not the way you leave a club. You have to leave it on a high. And so the fans remember you for the right things. Um, I don't know. I guess, Nick, is this time to start worrying if we win the league? Is this like the perfect time for Hazard to jet off to Spain? I mean, I think that's the only place that he would be tempted to go at this point. Why do this interview? Why? It was actually back in November, though. I just don't understand. Like, this is, to me, it's just kind of press baiting controversy. Like, I, I just don't understand. And, whoever our PR department is at the club who has everything else all nailed down and, and proper this, you know, this kind of stuff and the Courtois kind of stuff. I, we just, we don't need this stuff. Like his art's art's playing incredible. Let's just leave it at that. There's a formula to it. The formula is that uh, Chelsea is not, you know, one of the top, I would say two clubs in the world from a commercial or financial standpoint. It's, you know, Real Madrid and that's Barcelona. They are the two largest um, in that capacity. And so if you can link any player that does not play for those two teams, whether it's uh, Aubameyang, whether it's Hazard, you will generate a story that generates traffic back to your website. And lo and behold, there's a story now that the prime quote is the quote that's going to get you to think, oh, crap, team X player, you know, that is the best on that team is going to go potentially this team. So you should all start freaking out like a chicken little moment. And I would tell you that dude looks so happy playing the other day. I, 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 I don't know. I don't worry. I, I actually think the way that Conte manages the players, you know, and Hazard becomes excess on some of those other teams. Like, you know, I think he 
probably starts on those teams, but it also means pushing out some of their other players. And I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, don't you want to be the best player on the best team versus on you know versus being one of the best on a team of the best? I, I don't know. Like, I I, I think Hazard is situated to be you know an icon and a legend at, at Chelsea if he continues to play the way he's playing right now for you know to to sit aside a uh, Lampard. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. It's all up to him. It's always the question. Do you want to be the man or do you want to have, have a comfortable life somewhere else? I mean, the the thing that you're, you're 100% right. This season, he's looked like a different guy. He looked like a different guy two years ago. And then last year, he kind of reverted back to a state that we thought, you know, he might have in him. You know, it's it's really up to him. You know, if he, if he wants to be the man, if he wants to be a future captain, you know, he's going to captain Belgium for some time then, you know, staying is the right way to go. If he wants to go be a complimentary piece somewhere else, then, you know, he can make that decision too. But I just don't understand. You know, I, I get the the clicks to website. He needs to be trained better in the press to, to, answer, to not answer these questions, to pass on them. I think the good news is, um, thankfully, Jay, this wasn't picked up and ran with a lot and that it did kind of go under the radar, that that's a good thing. Maybe Chelsea's press department did make some official clarifications to this uh, and, and nipped it in the bud right away, but um, I'm not worried yet. Uh, Josh Hart asked, how does the absence of Mishi and the emergence of Tammy look for the future at this striker position? I thought this was a really interesting question. Thank you, Josh, for throwing this at us. But Dan, um, you know, what do you think in Tammy scored again this weekend? They lost, but who cares? We're not worried about Bristol's <laughs> results. We just want to see Tammy score. All we want to do is see him score. We don't care about the wins. Um, you know, I think it's all interesting. I, I think I don't, I don't predict Michi will leave in January. I, I think, you know, there needs to be cover for that position, even if it's not a first choice. I think also, you know, Conte apparently, you know, obviously wants to, you know, put people, and indoctrinate them into his philosophy of football. And I don't think that's going to happen for him going someplace else to play. You know, he's already shown that he can play well in, in, in league one, you know, I don't know where else you would send him unless there's a premier league team that needs a starting striker right now uh, and uses a two striker system, which as it turns out, most of them don't. So that's not going to be a good solution for him. I think Tammy, on the other hand, does he come back to a Premier League loan next season? Does he potentially go to, to Germany for a year um, and play on a team there? I, I think that's a better route for him because I, I think you still have Diego Costa and you still have Eden Hazard. I think Tammy getting into that front line right now, there, there's a lot of of hurdles to doing that today. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... Uh, to me, somewhere, you know, a foreign loan might be kind of the next step for Tammy. Um, so I think, you know, championship level type of football is is fantastic and it will harden him. It'll make him a different kind of player, a little tougher, a little more resilient. Uh, but technically, then he has to go play somewhere, um, you know, against some more skillful, skillful center backs where, you know, they're playing the ball right alongside them. They're quicker, they're faster, they have uh, more intelligence. And then he has to really try himself there too and, and kind of get that side of his game up. So I agree on on the Germany thing. That kind of sounds interesting to me for, for his position. Um, you know, 
two striker setup with those two guys, they're both physical specimens, man. Like uh, eventually, you know, that could be a, a pretty lethal tandem. Mm-hmm. I apologize. He's at Bristol city, not Bristol Rovers. Uh, next one up. We've got at the Conte roll one. If we are, so we're making assumptions. What positions would we likely strengthen in January, Nick? Um, Let's just say either a person uh, or one position. Um, I mean, midfield probably for me. I, I think right now it's more of a, a need than defenses. You know, I, I think we have Zuma, we have Terry, um, you know, and we could always move Marcus Alonso back if need be and play someone else as a left winger. Um, you know, I, I'm not as worried about the defense as I am the midfield. I think, uh, you know, there's, uh, some interesting midfield options that are being bantered about right now. We've kind of been over some of them, your Marco Verratti's and Navi Keita's and all those types of guys or some interesting prospects in League One in France that, you know, are playing at Monaco. Uh, but midfield's probably where I'm looking, Dan. Yeah, I think in addition to that, it's about uh, contract extensions for high-performing players. Uh, I said it earlier, I'll continue to beat the drum on it. You know, I, I think locking up Azpilicueta earlier this year was fantastic. You know, that is one of the, the best moves this club has made in, in a very, very long time and continuing to pay dividends. But signing Costa to an extension, uh, I would also say Courtois, and also reevaluating if Hazard needs a potential pay bump to keep him happy. All of that would be great use of the Oscar fund. I like that the Oscar fun. The dude. Oscar fund. It's like a charity. It's yeah. Giving back to Chelsea <laughs> in, in so many ways. Deep, deep pockets. Uh at Marvit to Dude asks, why the why are we <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> why the F is Alonzo being so massively underrated by our fans? Um, you know, maybe because he's not as flashy, but we've also seen you know, Victor Moses struggle a little bit at times. You know, I think you can boil it down to it's still a new system, still a new league, still a new team for him. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that he's doing a job. And if all Marcus Alonso does is free up Eden Hazard to go be Eden Hazard and not have to worry about his defensive responsibilities, I don't think we have too much to complain about, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Marv is a, a big fan of Alonzo's and has stated so much on our Twitter account multiple times. I, I am, I don't think he's being underrated by any means by our fans. Like, you know, I think he he does kind of one job, and you know, sometimes he does it well, other times he doesn't. Uh, and all you have to do is kind of look at some of the the tackling and defensive side of his game to to see where we might be missing a little bit, but. Um, you know, again, if, if Brandon's theory is right and Hazard just gets to be Hazard, then, then whatever. But Ray Wilkins, uh, is not then not a fan of Mark Alonso says he's not good enough for Chelsea. Uh, Ray Wilkins might be on, on something. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I trust a guy who has been at Chelsea and coached at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that he, I think he has a, has that absolute place. But I think that that's a position that during the summer, the club will look to figure out how they provide competition to Alonso, because I I think it goes back to the mentality of if we're going to compete, 
in Champions League, if we're going to compete in the Premier League, and we're going to compete in all domestic competitions to the very end, there has to be a high level of great squad rotation. And players like Alonso, like Cesc, um, you know, there you need high caliber players that could start somewhere else that are comfortable being rotational on squads. And I think he's that you know, that type of player that is going to get potentially pushed up to perform at a higher level if there's great competition behind him um, or is going to fill a need as a great rotational player on our squad playing that left wing back role. Yeah, we've still been linked to that Schultz player from the Serie A uh, as a wing back, essentially to provide depth and probably some competition. So we'll see where that goes. But um, interesting, some differing opinions. Let us know what you guys think about Marcus Alonso. Uh, how he's doing. Is he doing well enough? Is he not doing well enough? Um, obviously, we had limited options this summer with Conte coming in last minute. Uh, with all that being said, uh, I, th- I think we did I think we did pretty good. So uh, I think we're going to go ahead and um, we have a quick message uh, about our iTunes and maybe leaving a rating if you'd be so kind. So uh, let's hear that quick message and we'll be back to preview the Stoke City match. Nick, do you have, can I borrow a moment of your time? Sure, Dan. What do you need? Well, hey, it's going to take you less than 60 seconds, but I think an iTunes review or the London Blues podcast would be a great use of that 60 seconds. Uh, do, you, do you have any instructions that I could follow? You know, I'm not very good with just, just listening to you, you know? I know. I know you need a one, two, three. <laughs> so one, go to iTunes, search for London is Blue podcast. Two, click on the button or tap the button if you're on a mobile device. It says leave a review. Third, leave a five-star review with a nice little comment. And if you leave a comment, we will personally thank you on our next podcast. So, really? yeah, hey. What's better than a wonderful thank you from Brandon, Nick, and Dan? Nothing. Nothing is correct. I, I'm actually doing it right now. It's very easy. All you have to do is just follow Dan's instructions, and you know maybe I'll personally give you a shout-out on the next pod. Who's to say? Yeah, get a, get a shout-out from the powder keg. iTunes review. Do it now. How about that, Chelsea fans? A personal shout-out from the powder keg himself. I know. I would like that one day, but <laughs> we need to go ahead and focus on Stoke City Premier League match coming up. It can fast. Uh, we'll continue to hang out at Stanford Bridge, thankfully. Match will be this coming Saturday, December 31st, the last day of the year. So in advance, Happy New Year's because we won't talk to you before then. Uh, talking points. So I shot the group a text today. <laughs> I was so surprised that Stoke were playing this 30 and above team against Liverpool who are just young in nonstop movement. And Dan had this terrible idea that, that Mark, I'm sorry, terrible for Mark Hughes, that they might actually be resting players for the Chelsea match. Now, if this is true, that's dumb. Because, A, you have a much better chance of getting goals against a leaky, leaky Liverpool defense rather than Chelsea's tight ship locked up. No way you're getting through Courtois. Uh, so, I don't know, Dan. I mean, are the rumors that you've been reading still there? And is there a good chance that we can just make them feel terrible for resting their players and still go out and smash them? Well, when you go with your uh, MLS side version and uh, go out to play Liverpool, it's probably not going to go too well. It did not go too well for Stoke today. And you know, it just it's very odd when you don't see the likes of Shakiri starting a match, you know, who clearly is one of their best players. 
um, in favor of uh, a couple uh, veterans who would not be getting minutes probably in the champion side, championship side right now as a starter. So it's a very, very odd match today. And yet uh, there were points where, at least in the first half, where it could have gone either way until Liverpool just decided to rain down fire and brimstone on Stoke for the second 45 minutes. And, you know, you could see them absolutely give up when Ryan Shawcross passed it to Sturridge inside their own box. Um, Nick, <laughs> head-to-head, Chelsea have played 16 games against the Potters, 11 wins. Uh, seven of those 11 have been at home. Uh, Stoke have yet to win at Stamford Bridge in the recent past. Uh, last year, though, not the greatest of results, but I think we can go ahead and apply that to the entire season. Yep. Uh, last year, not the greatest of results. Uh, the tag nine <laughs> of Chelsea 2015-16. Um, yeah, no, I, I you know, it's it, always difficult against them, although I will say the team that they played today resembled a pub team uh, <laughs> more than a Premier League team. They were, they were terrible. Um, and we're playing at home, and you would have to think a well-rested, uh, you know, kind of I guess flip flop slapping Diego Costa back. Um, If you haven't seen that Christmas video, watch that you'll enjoy that. Uh, And, and arrested in Golo Conte um, who probably just ran a couple marathons in his free time uh, just to keep fit uh, would probably uh, do well against a a Stoke team that uh, did not show much fight today, Dan. Now you look at it too, in their most recent matches, two away losses uh, to Liverpool, 4-1, Arsenal, 3-1. Uh, they drew two games, one versus Leicester, one versus Southampton. Uh, beat Burnley 2-0, but you know, really, we're not going to count that as anything that you can write home about. It's, uh, that's, it's kind of like kicking the little kid at the playground for fun. And ultimately, this is a team that we should beat. It's also been uh, a, a, a boogie team for us at some points, but usually when we're away to them, if you look at the atmosphere at Stanford Bridge this season, yeah, there was a moment on the broadcast today where you're watching the you know, Stoke-Liverpool match, and it got quiet. It was quiet, and the team was ahead, and they were winning. Flip-flop to the past, you know, past couple days, you saw Chelsea play, and that place was loud the entire time. And even when Chelsea was ahead, and I think that is a fortress. I think you're going to go in there. And I think Stoke is – I think we're going to embarrass him. Ooh. You know, I remember Nick said that this was his bogey game to watch out, you know, kind of the, the match before the big match against uh, Tottenham. But I tell you what, especially Stoke being up 2 nothing against Leicester and up a man and coming back and drawing two weeks ago – uh, getting just taken out behind the shed by Liverpool. I mean, they are not in a good spot. I know Mark Hughes usually has a pretty stable relationship at that club. You know, they know what they want, but, you know, they're sitting in 13th right now. They just keep dropping down the table. There's probably going to be a little bit of a- extra pressure added on him, but the way it comes in, uh, Chelsea have to be looked at as quite, quite heavily favored. Uh, in this match. So if you look at it, Joe Allen's the top goal scorer with five goals this season. So that kind of wraps it up nicely for them. There go. Well, that's nice. That's cute. All right. Well, you know what, guys? Uh, we will leave the predictions to Jay in Facebook. 
Uh, but let us know what you guys think on Twitter, as always, or via email. We love talking to you guys. But anything else uh, that we need to touch on before we uh, wrap this up in regards to Stoke? Uh, I would just say that um, Cesar Espilicueta has been tremendous this year. Uh, does not get enough props for his workman-like attitude. Uh, he has our most passes um, on the team by about 100 Um and just a, a tremendous asset ball playing center back that we've desired for so long. Right. But that seems to be him right now, Dan. Yeah. And you look at that. I mean, David Louise has been you know playing really well too. Uh, still looked like he was a little bandaged up uh, this past match. So hoping to see potentially not bandaged, maybe this match or seeing him kind of continue to rebuild some of that fitness uh, because he's such a central part to that defense. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, Diego Casa is gonna is gonna feast. He's gonna feast on New Year's Eve. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week, Chelsea fans. Uh, go ahead and wrap this up with some uh, final thoughts from the guys, like we always do. Um, Nick, what is your final thought for the Chelsea fans? Uh, I would just want to give a, a major shout out to Chris Axon, who you know, if you if you haven't followed his work on cxmblog.com uh he's a tremendous friend of the pod he lets us use his images from Stanford bridge and away matches whenever he goes so if you if you're on our instagram account at london blue pod and you see some images that look like they're taken from the bridge those are his uh he also is a tremendous writer uh and is is producing some uh some great work so i just want to give a shout out to him and his kind of long form pieces and, and all the work he's uh he's done so thanks chris mm-hmm. almost definitely 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 go check out his blog it's everywhere on twitter instagram and facebook dan what about you you know i, I would say this is last podcast we're doing in, in 2016 and uh the first part of 2016 uh, from a chelsea focal point was was not good it was a, a very rough go uh, of that you know starting with uh the hitting taking over, the, you know, the drawing lessons that we retreated to, uh, the the apprehensive appointment of, of Conte being excited, especially watching that excitement build and grow uh, during Euro 2016, and maybe kind of questioning the the board and the purchases. And I think we'd look back, and I, I always think that you know things happen for a reason, and we are in a, a wonderful point at the top of the table heading into 2016. Um, and you know, I just, uh, I wish and, and hope that everyone's, uh, 2016, if it wasn't great, um, that it, uh, continues forward on the momentum that, uh, you see Chelsea going on with right now and, um, that you, uh, have a, a, a merry and blessed, uh, New Year's Eve and a happy new year. Absolutely. Uh, this has been a great start to the season. Um, but as we continue to grow and advance our podcast, we just want to let you guys know that. We will be adding some new features and some new things to 2017. So I'm not going to give too much away right now, but if you tweet at us and ask us what's going on, we just might give you some hints at what we're looking at. So go ahead, tweet at us, at London Blue Pod, or from my man Eric, who always emails me, you know you can go ahead and shoot at us, londonisbluepodcast at gmail.com. That will do it for us this week, Chelsea fans. But don't worry, we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 
All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.